0: will never remain free if they are not willing, if need be, to fight for their vital interests. In this present crisis, government is not the solution to our problem. Government is the problem. Praise God 1A, and pass the ammunition. The Restoration Hour with Pastor Eli J. Well, ladies and gentlemen, don't know what to say. My computer just decided to turn itself off in mid-sentence while I was describing what the heck was going on at the Illinois-Wisconsin border today where we were demonstrating against COVID-19 and uh, the lockdown and related materials. And uh, I'd say we got a, a mixed response, although it was generally favorable, as I was trying to say about uh, 10 minutes ago, before my computer decided to turn itself off, okay, I was in mid sentence when the monitor said, Monitor going to sleep. Oh, really? Okay, what triggered that? I don't know. But in any case, uh, I think we're back live now. And uh, unfortunately, my, um, uh, the, the, the items I had up on the screen. Have disappeared, and uh, i'm going to have to take a, a minute or two here to just uh, uh, collect myself here and uh, recover the articles that I had ready to go, okay so I have to sign into my email account to get those uh, two articles that I had sent to Daryl in Missouri who uh, was uh, I was hoping to have on the show today, but it uh, didn't work out, and so, nevertheless, uh, the email I sent to him has the links to the two, to the two uh, articles that I had sent to him, if it hasn't disappeared, (laughs) okay, so, uh, I'm going to have to, I don't see him here, I'm going to have to dial up, oh, wait a minute, I know what to do, go to the sent file, and here we go for tonight's show. All right. So the forty-five communist goals of the uh, of the uh, of the communists read into the congressional record, and this is from the watchman on the wall. Oh no, this is sorry. The watchwoman on the wall. Uh, The website is www.beliefnet.com. Let me copy it here and put it in the chat room and uh, see if we can get this show rolling here today. (laughs) All right. and uh, Okay, so let's give it a try. Here we go. Here's the link. Okay. And uh, we'll start reading from this website because these are actually very relevant very relevant to what's going on in the world today and uh we're going to try to get to the bottom of what what it is that is really happening today and why in the world we're not uh we're not getting anywhere against the uh, the these uh who are running the world okay well we know the main reason is because they control all media and the vast majority of people in the world those who have access to media believe whatever they see on television here on radio and blah 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 commercial radio and television And of course, we have NPR, National Public Radio, which is also part of the problem. So, government and commercial broadcasting are totally in lockstep, in lockstep with the Rockefeller program to control the world. And this program to control the world was set out in a document that I discussed last night on Yahweh's Covenant People which you can access the, uh, the performance from last night on the download section at eurofolkradio.com, where uh, uh, a gentleman by the name of Mr. Vox read from the Rockefeller document talking about the lockdowns that they expect to uh, put into effect with regard to a global, quote, pandemic unquote so this was recorded in 2014 and is happening today but the document the lockstep document by the rockefeller foundation was put out in 2010 so this information has been available to those who are conspiratologists for at least 10 years now what the, how the Rockefellers intend to lock us down with the advent of a pandemic. Okay, so this plan, this lockstep, we call it lockdown, this lockstep program, and that's what they refer to it as in the Rockefeller document, as the lockstep, getting every country in the world in lockstep with this global program of the pandemic and the the great collapse, economic collapse associated with the pandemic. Okay, This has all been set forth in this Rockefeller document. So I urge you to listen to uh, last night's Yahweh's Covenant People, which is up on the website now. And you can uh, uh, access that at any time. But since we're live now, I encourage you to keep listening to this particular show. But I'm going to read into... The this, Today's show, The 45 Communist Goals as read into the Congressional Record in 1963. And Watchwoman has this to say, In addition to reading this, the 45 Communist Goals, click here to read the 10 planks of Karl Marx, the Communist Manifesto. America has already fulfilled 90% of them. Of course, the Democratic Party has been the leader in implementing the 10 planks of the Communist Manifesto since the days of Woodrow Wilson, but it was in the tenure of federal dictator Rosenfeld that all 10 planks have been put into effect, okay? So here we are, the Congressional Record Appendix, pages A34 to A35, January 10th, 1963. Current Communist Goals. Extension of Remarks of Honorable A.S. Herlong, Jr. of Florida in the House of Representatives Thursday, January 10, 1963. Mr. Herlong, Mr. Speaker, Mrs. Patricia Nordman of Deland, Florida is an ardent... Okay, so... Mr. Hurlong is the Speaker, and he's saying, quote, Mr. Speaker, Mr. Mrs. Patricia Nordman of Deland, La- De Florida, is an ardent and articulate opponent of Communism, and until recently published in the Deland Courier, which she dedicated to the purpose of alerting the public to the dangers of Communism in America. At Mrs. Nordman's request, I include in the record, under unanimous consent, the following current communist goals. Now, I think it'd be very difficult to get unanimous consent in the Jew-controlled Congress today, and uh, I think it may even be difficult to get a majority <laughs> consent in the Jew-controlled, uh, you know, communist country because all these co- these communist goals have actually been fulfilled in our time. Okay, so. It says, at Mrs. Nordman's request, I include in the record, under unanimous consent, the following current communist goals, which she identifies as an excerpt from The Naked Communist by Cleon Skousen. Okay, so these are excerpted from that book, The Naked Communist. Current communist goals. Number one, U.S. acceptance of coexistence as the only alternative to atomic war. Now we know that the Cold War and the threat of global nuclear war was another scam, another Rothschild scam to keep everybody afraid, divide and conquer the Eastern Bloc versus the Western Bloc, but the Rothschilds have controlled both blocks since since the beginning of World War One, and certainly during World War II and after World War II, they have controlled both the Communist Bloc and the Western Bloc. The, the, let's call it the Democratic Bloc, because it's really not Republican in spirit at all. It's Jew democracy, which is, democracy is ruled by Jewish media, okay, they, the Jewish media tells people how to vote, and they vote democratic accordingly, except for those people who are smart enough to vote in opposition to this Jew-controlled government. Okay? But that's very rare, certainly these days very rare. So, U.S. acceptance of coexistence as the only alternative to atomic war, and the, the absolute proof that the Rothschilds controlled both the communist bloc and the western bloc is the fact that Roosevelt, Stalin, and Churchill simply handed over all those Eastern Bloc nations to Stalin at the end of World War II for no good reason whatsoever. General Patton strongly objected to this this procedure, but all three of those principles were under orders from the Rothschilds to make Stalin and communist Russia the superpower in the east and they handed Poland, eastern Germany uh, Finland Latvia, various nations uh, uh, Romania many nations simply handed them over to Stalin and the communists plain and simple and of course China simply handed them over to the communists. When the communist bloc had no other materials except those provided by us under Lend-Lease. In other words, Stalin had no military material, provisions, other than those provided by us, the United States of America, and some by Britain, but mainly the United States of America. There's no way that Stalin could have accomplished any of this without the -the behind-the-scenes help of FDR, then Truman, and the rest of the Democratic Party, the vast majority of whom were absolute traitors. We're talking Alger Hiss and several generals, in the U.S. military that actually turned over supplies intended for Chiang Kai-shek, the National Chinese Commander, uh, General Marshall, and Vinegar Joe Stilwell took supplies that were intended for Chiang Kai-shek and handed them over to Mao Zedong. This is absolute treason, folks. And it was orchestrated by the Rothschilds so that they, they could create a communist victory for World War II. And that's exactly what happened. The communists won World War II. Not America, not Britain, not the West. The communists won World War II. Because the the all those countries were simply handed over to them by the Rothschild syndicate. Okay? So... Number one, U.S. acceptance of coexistence as the only alternative to atomic war. This is a ruse, an absolute ruse. And this was established by the Rothschilds, not by communists. There's no way Stalin could have accomplished this on his own without Lend-Lease from from Rosenfeld and then from uh, Woodrow Wilson. And then right after World War II, the U.N. created the Korean War, and General MacArthur stated that he could not fight that war without getting clearance from the United Nations before he uh, tried a military attack. And the head of the United Nations uh, Security Department at that time was a communist general. So, in other words... He had to inform the Communists of his every move before he did it. He decided at Incheon not to inform the communist head of the UN Security Department. And he went and attacked without giving that, that Communist general the information. And he had a decisive victory at Incheon as a result. So, these two facts prove conclusively that the Cold War is an absolute hoax. It's just a prelude to divide and conquer. A prelude to divide and conquer. And ultimately, the conquering needs to be done at America because we are the only country in the world that is a Christian country from our foundations. We have a Christian constitution. And we have a Christian people who, whatever, value is as Christians at the current time probably doesn't mean much. But nevertheless, we were founded as a Christian nation with the First and Second Amendments and other amendments, uh, uh, liberties granted to the people, which no other country, certainly not any communist country, has ever granted to its own people. Okay, And this is why America must be destroyed by the Rothschilds and their Corporate and communist cohorts. In essence, the Rothschilds control the banks of the world and they can finance whatever revolutionary movement they want to and they're using George Soros in America to finance Antifa and Black Lives Matter, both of which are communist organizations. Okay, So we can see that this uh, communist goal at the time was... The accepted, how should I put it, view of the world, the Cold War being the accepted uh, strategy or accepted state of the world at the time. Okay, Number two, U.S. willingness to capitulate in preference to engaging in atomic war. Okay, so the threat of atomic war was so great that America should just, and, and both sides would be annihilated, well, we should just submit to communism. Okay, that's number two. Number three, develop the illusion that total disarmament by the United States would be a demonstration of moral strength. Okay, giving up to an aggressor, the aggressor that took over all these Eastern Bloc nations that uh, was never envisioned by any Western nation before the start of World War II. All these countries, as I said, were handed over to Stalin by Churchill and Roosevelt. Never in their wildest dreams did any of these countries think that they would become vassals of the Soviet Union after World War Not in their wildest dreams. Had they even suspected such a thing, they would have thrown their lot in with Hitler. Absolutely would have thrown their lot in with Hitler. Okay. Number four. Permit free trade between all nations regardless of communist affiliation and regardless of whether or not items could be used for war. Free trade is nothing but a euphemism for total world economic domination by the Rothschilds. They want to destroy national economies in favor of their global dictatorship. That's what that's all about. We know, but very few in the world today understand that this is what's going on. Number five, extension of long-term loans to Russia and Soviet allies. Okay, well, why should capitalist countries loan money to communist countries? Communist countries that are sworn to destroy capitalism. That makes no sense at all, but the Rothschilds have been doing this all along. And the Israelis have been dealing with the enemy, with the communist bloc, forever since the creation of the Israeli state. So the Jews are not uh, are not concerned at all about how much communism there is in the world, because the Jews created communism. This is simply part of the divide and conquer strategy that the Jews have envisioned for the world and especially for America. Okay. Number six, provide American aid to all nations regardless of communist domination. Again, this is the uh, Jewish program of providing aid to anti-American nations and other nations. So if they give aid to uh, basically making the American taxpayer impoverished as a result of giving all this aid to all other nations, including the nation of Kyrgyzstan, especially Kyrgyzstan. Number seven, grant recognition of Red China. Admission of Red China to the... Again, here's more proof that the globalist dictatorship headed by the Rothschild banking family, the Bank of International Settlements, uh, all the various banking institutions which are part of the United Nations organization, they have no problem dealing with communists, supporting communists, and supporting communist wars of aggression against free countries. No problem whatsoever. So here is the communist demand to grant recognition of Red China admission of Red China into the UN, which, of course, the Rothschilds were most happy to grant because that's part of the program, okay? The Cold War was simply a a distraction to make people in the West believe that there was some real threat from the Soviet bloc. There was none. They could have made war against us without our help. Without our technological and monetary help, and by our, I mean global Jewish banksters. Of course, centered here at the Federal Reserve Bank in America. Okay, number eight. Set up East and West Germany as separate states in spite of Khrushchev's promise in 1955 to settle the German question by free elections under supervision of the UN. Okay, so who is the UN? Why would the UN have any kind of role in this whatsoever? They're nothing but a bunch of Jewish banksters. Why should we even rely on them? And by the way, COVID-19 is being promoted by the United Nations as we speak. An unelected group of bureaucrats that are all beholden to the Rothschilds. And all the the nations, the national names behind or in front of the speakers of the various countries, these people were not elected by the people of those countries. They were appointed by the Rothschilds. It's a a sham, of uh, the appearance. It gives the appearance of representative government when there absolutely is none whatsoever. Okay, it's nothing but fakery. Number nine. Prolong the conferences to ban atomic tests because the United States has agreed to suspend tests as long as negotiations are in progress. Also, so keep delaying tactics in progress so the Soviet Union could catch up. Okay, that's that's the purpose there, and of course they did catch up even after the uh, the execution of the Rosenbergs, who were Jewish. Communist spies. Number 10, allow all Soviet satellites individual representation in the UN. So all these communist countries now would conglomerate under the UN and and vote against the free world. Number 11, promote the UN as the only hope for mankind. Now remember, this is the communist goal, folks. You don't think they're in lockstep? with the Rothschild-created United Nations? If its charter is rewritten, demand that it be set up as a one-world government? What do you think we have today, folks? With its own independent armed forces? Some communist leaders believe the world can be taken over as easily by the UN as by Moscow. Sometimes these two centers compete with each other, as they are now doing in the Congo... Again, this was in 1963 that this was read into the record. Okay? Well, the UN is, has always supported communist uprisings against nationalist individuals, nationalist entities. Always. The UN, the UN, has always supported, supported communism against free governments. Okay? So, This whole, yeah, the coronavirus pandemic creates a scenario in which medical tyranny must be established to protect the public from itself. Well, of course, that was the creation of the United Nations, right? To protect us from the boogeyman. Of what boogeyman? Since they've always been supporting communism, but the boogeyman was, in this case, atomic war. Did that atomic war happen? No, it did not. And the reason it did not happen, because it was a scam. It was simply a tactic to instill fear into the people living behind the communist bloc and into the people of the free world, that there is actually some threat of atomic war, when in fact there was none whatsoever, because the Rothschilds controlled both the communist bloc And the so called free world, the so called capitalist world, but is really the monopolist world controlled by the Rothschilds. So here we see that the Communist Party has the same goals as the Jew world order. Number 12, resist any attempt to outlaw the Communist Party. Number 13, do away with all loyalty oaths, meaning you have to swear allegiance to the United States of America and the U.S. Constitution. Number 14, continue giving Russia access to the U.S. Patent Office so they can steal our inventions. Number 15, capture one or both of the political parties in the United States. Do you think they have captured one or both? They have certainly captured both. Number 16, Use technical decisions of the courts to weaken basic American institutions by claiming their activities violate civil rights, and the ACLU was created just to do that. Number 17, get control of the schools. Use them as transmission belts for socialism and current communist propaganda. Soften the curriculum. Get control of the teachers' associations, which they have absolutely done. And it was, of course, uh, Bill, uh, Jimmy Carter, who gave the Jews their National Education Association, by which they have infiltrated public education and turned it communist. Put the party line in textbooks, which they have done, including transgenderism, gay lib, feminism, and everything else, which all of which are supported by the Communist Party. Number 18, gain control of all student newspapers. They have certainly done that. 19, use student riots to foment public protests against programs or organizations which are under communist attack. Okay? Now, of course, the Frankfurt School of Jewish Communists was operating already in the 1950s to undermine Christian civilization, to poke fun at Christian morals and Christian institutions. You may remember, I remember very well, in the 1950s and 60s, that Christianity was roundly criticized as being repressive, and that uh, anal intercourse and sex outside of marriage, which were roundly condemned by Christian organizations, were passé and repressive. You see, the breakup of the nuclear family, Yahweh's nuclear family, was the goal here. The unstated goal, but it was the goal. And that was institutionalized under the welfare state of lying Butcher Johnson. The Democratic Party has absolutely destroyed the nuclear family, especially of the black community, 90% 90% and more of black babies now are born outside of wedlock thanks to the welfare state. Number 20 infiltrate the press. Get control of book review assignments, editorial writing, policy making positions. They actually had control of the press because Jews controlled the vast majority of publications, television, and radio already by 1963. 21. gained control of key positions in radio, TV, and motion pictures. They definitely had that. Joe McCarthy was about the only person in politics who was exposing the communists, the Jew communists, in these organizations. Number 22. Continue discrediting American culture by degrading all forms of artistic expression an american communist cell was told to eliminate all good sculpture from parks and buildings substitute shapeless awkward and meaningless forms have you seen that folks have you seen that right here in chicago the uh the the sculpture uh by the uh spanish communist right right there in front of our civic building a, a shapeless form it looks like a, a horse with uh, a bouffant hairdo, right? It's absolutely gross, uh, shapeless art, okay? Uh, pathetic, pathetic art. Number 24, eliminate all laws governing obscenity by calling them censorship and a violation of free speech and free press. Now, we are the ones being censored. And the left has total reign over public education, mass media. So why is mass media supporting the entire communist agenda today? It's because mass media is controlled by the same Jews who invented communism. It amazes me that liberals can't see through this charade as mass media supports their entire program, and that includes the COVID-19 and the medical mafia, The liberals are totally in support of the Rockefellers and the Rothschilds, Big Pharma, who are those evil capitalists that liberals are so fond of criticizing. But nevertheless, they are in lockstep with the Rockefeller medical mafia in this case of COVID-19. So talk about politics having strange bedfellows. It's not so strange when you know who's calling the shots. Number 25. Break down cultural standards of morality by promoting pornography and obscenity in books, magazines, motion pictures, radio, and TV. Now, this is uh, done by the so-called capitalist Jews. The capitalist Jews who own all of our media are the ones promoting all all of these things, actually, in the communist demands. So it's not communists who have created all of this stuff. It's the capitalist Jews who have done all of these things on behalf of the destruction of America and on behalf of the Communist Party. Yes, degenerated art. Uh, interesting here, Adolf says, Zimbabwe signs billion-dollar deal to repay white farmers. That's interesting. Because the farms were taken away from the whites, and because Zimbabwe has had nothing but trouble trying to feed its own population ever since ejecting the white farmers. And the same is happening in South Africa. The nation of South Africa cannot feed itself because they have murdered so many white farmers. I had to wet my whistle. And this is, again, it's communism in South Africa. The ANC is nothing but a communist organization. And uh, as uh, Pastor Martins revealed to me last week, Nelson Mandela actually has Jewish blood flowing through his veins. It's not just he was supported by Jew communists, he actually has a Jewish ancestor in his background, okay? And uh, we'll talk about that more tomorrow on The Voice of Christian Israel. We'll give you all the details about Mandela's Jewish background, okay? Number 26, present homosexuality, degeneracy, and promiscuity as normal, natural, healthy, just as COVID-19 and the lockdown is the new normal. Number 27, Infiltrate the churches and replace revealed religion with social religion. This was happening in the Catholic Church by the Jesuits, and in the Protestant churches by the tax-exempt corporations infiltrating the Protestant churches with homosexuals and communists. Discredit the Bible and emphasize the need for intellectual maturity, which does not need a religious crutch. Number 28. But isn't, isn't communism the opiate of the liberals? 28. Eliminate prayer or any phase of religious expression in the schools on the ground that it violates the principle of separation in church and state. However, there is no such clause in the Constitution that says separation of church and state. What it says is that The government shall not interfere with organized religion, or any religion for that matter. There is no principle of separation of church and state in our Constitution. The only principle there is, is that the government should stay out of religious affairs. Period. That's what our Constitution really says. Number 29. Discredit the American Constitution by calling it inadequate, old-fashioned, out-of-step with modern needs, a hindrance to cooperation between nations on a worldwide basis. Thank you, Al Gore. He's been saying that for decades. So have every single Democrat. Now, the Republicans have not been saying that, but they have not been doing anything about it. So the Republicans are basically the the weak, the weak sister in American politics. They've allowed the Democratic Party to bully us, and the more the Democratic Party bullies us, the less the Republican Party does about it. Has not done anything about. It. Case in point, when the Republican Party had an opportunity to expose Barack Obama. As a non-American citizen, not born in America, but in Kenya, the Republican Party simply kept silent about it. Totally silent about it. Which totally proves that the Republican Party is also in lockstep, but is more of a silent sister. The so-called silent majority, represented by the silent Republicans. Okay? Number 30, discredit the American founding fathers. Present them as selfish aristocrats uh, who can't be anything as bad as selfish communist bureaucrats who had no concern for the common man. On the contrary, the U.S. Constitution was totally concerned with the rights of the average person, the average taxpayer and voter. No such consideration has ever been given to the people by the Communist Party. The Communist Party is the party of slavery. Number 31, belittle all forms of American culture and discourage the teaching of American history on the ground that it was only a minor part of the big picture. Give more emphasis to Russian history since the communists took over. And that, even in this COVID-19 pandemic you have the Democrats and mass media talking heads telling us that Red China has got the correct approach to COVID-19 because their approach is totally authoritarian. So you actually have so-called American journalists supporting the Chinese communist response to COVID-19 as opposed to standing up for people's rights against a totalitarian dictatorship. A totalitarian medical dictatorship is what we have now with COVID-19. The degeneracy and the lies are just unbelievable, yet the American people don't even suspect that this is actually what the communists have been after all along because the mass media does not tell them what it really is. And they watch the degenerate art on their television sets, the degenerate movies from Harlotwood, and the degenerate radio and magazines and everything else that these Jews are producing. And, of course, the support of the Communist Party with Jewish money, by Jewish capitalists, by Jewish monopolists. The average citizen cannot comprehend why would capitalists support the communist takeover of America. That's because they don't know anything about the Jews being in power, and the Jews having always been in control of the Communist Party worldwide, okay, 32, support any socialist movement to give centralized control over any part of the culture, education, social agencies, welfare programs, mental health clinics, etc., etc., and of course, regular mental, <laughs> regular health clinics, right, that's what we're having here in COVID-19, it's authoritarian, top-down control of our medical System put in place by Jewish bureaucrats and demanded by communist revolutionaries. Again, they're working together. As Theodore Herzl stated in his book about the Israeli state, we Jews, when we rise, we are the capitalists of the global economy, when we sink, we are the revolutionaries if you pay attention to Jewish writings, they admit that they control both the capitalist society and the communist society. And, of course, this trick of declaring people insane in the Soviet Union when you did not have any evidence against them, and they had plenty of show trials, but it was just quicker to declare people insane or mentally insane or physically unfit to be in the jobs they had. And by simply declaring them either mentally or physically uh, ill, they could be removed from their jobs with little fanfare and, and a better communist take their place. Number 33, eliminate all laws or procedures which interfere with the operation of the communist apparatus. And they have achieved that. Sometime in the 1980s, the military removed its uh, oath to fight communism. American soldiers are no longer required to, to uh, you know, say this oath to fight communism. Our American military no longer opposes communism. 34. Eliminate the House Committee of Un-American Activities, which they accomplished. 35. Discredit and eventually dismantle the FBI, which they have accommodated. They have turned it against the American people. 36. Infiltrate and gain control of more unions, which they have done. 37. Infiltrate and gain control of big business, which they have always had, because the big business has always been controlled by Jews. More so even today, 50 years later. And, for example, George Soros, supporting Antifa and Black Lives Matter, another Jew billionaire, supporting the communists. Number 38, transfer some of the powers of arrest from the police to social agencies, which they have done, uh, transfer it to Black Lives Matter. Big Jim in Harrison, Arkansas, told me that he saw a black van driving around in Harrison Arkansas and it had the, the black lives it was be, being manned by black lives matter people of course they were black and their job was to enforce uh, anti-white anti-whitism or loxism so uh, 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 to enforce anybody who's who could be accused of being a white racist They've actually done this in Harrison, Arkansas. Continuing with number thirty eight, treat all behavioral problems as psychiatric disorders. Yeah, you're all sick if you don't follow directions if you don't follow orders from the Juen. Which no one but psychiatrists can understand or treat. There's the Freudian there's the Freudian slip. They slipped Freud in. Okay? Number uh, 40, okay, oh, wait a minute, Uh, dominate the, number 39, dominate the psychiatric profession and use mental health laws as a means of gaining coercive control over those who oppose communist goals. Again, more Freudian stuff. Number 40, discredit the family as an institution, encourage promiscuity and easy divorce. The welfare state has certainly accomplished that. The typical black has no understanding of this is what it was done to the black family. Number 41, emphasize the need to raise children away from the negative influence of parents, especially white Christian parents. Attribute prejudices, mental blocks, and retarding of children to suppressive influence of parents, and this was also accomplished by the Frankfurt School of Jewish Subversives here in America. Number 42, especially in the colleges, create the impression that violence and insurrection are legitimate aspects of the American tradition, while it was only needed one time, and that was because the British were oppressing us, (coughs) and the Civil War, as I've told you many times, was financed, both sides were financed by the Rothschilds, in order to destroy the American system of free enterprise. That being the case... The communists have always been involved in destroying the American system. Excuse me, folks, I have to wet my whistle yet again. Ah, okay. All right, so, again, we can see that all these communist goals have been accomplished by the Jewish capitalists, so-called, but they're actually monopolists. They don't believe in free enterprise. John D. Rockefeller stated competition is a sin. They are monopolists, not capitalists in the true sense of the word, capitalists, which means free enterprise. But it does not mean that to the Jews. They, they conspire against free enterprise, the free enterprise of the bourgeoisie, the white-owned companies, the small businesses and corporations that are not under Jewish control That's what they call the bourgeoisie. Every once in a while, the insurrections and revolutions they finance will affect a Jewish-owned business, such as Starbucks, in the recent demonstrations after the George Floyd death. I don't want to call it a homicide. That hasn't been proven to be a homicide. Every indication is that he actually died before... He was saying, I can't breathe, even before he was on the ground. That's because he was high on some drug that was you know, causing him to have breathing difficulties. So those breathing difficulties were his own damn fault. And that cop was using methods that he was trained by the kikes in Kaikistan That is, kneeling on people's necks, which is what the Israeli cops do to to Palestinians, okay? So, in other words, let me repeat, 42, create the impression that violence and insurrection are legitimate aspects of the American tradition. No, they are not. Dissent, yes, but violence, no, because violence against innocent civilians is called terrorism. The American Constitution, nor the American Founding Fathers had ever envisioned a terrorism would be a legitimate form of political action and that students and special interest groups should rise up and use united force to solve economic political and social problems of course this is jewish tactics not just communist just look at israel and all the terrorist methods they used against the palestinians and the british to get the British to pull out of Palestine. Number 43, overthrow all colonial governments before native populations are ready for self-government. So the chaos would continue. But not to oppose the banker loans to developing countries, which inevitably put those countries into horrible debt, which they can never repay, thus suppressing any national development in those countries. But these loans work to really control and pay off the leadership, the dictators of those countries so they can be the willing agents of the international bankers. Number 44. Internationalize the Panama Canal. I think it's under Panamanian Panamanian national control right now, at least externally. Externally. So, I'm not sure if this number 44 has been actually accomplished. Number 45 repeal the Connolly reservation so the United States cannot prevent the world court. Okay, so the United Nations, what legal authority does it have over America? The answer is absolutely none. We didn't vote to have the United Nations rule over us. We didn't vote to suspend the American Constitution in favor of the United Nations Charter, which was written by the capitalist, or the monopolist, Nelson Rockefeller, and the communist Alger Hiss. So you can see the cooperation between Jewish monopolists and Jewish communists has been the driving force of modern politics. Okay? So, anyway, a comment here. You may not find these 45 communist goals on the web in its original form because in 1963, there were no digitized documents. You will find websites that have copied them as I have. Call your local library and you can obtain an original copy there. Or ask a U.S. Congressional member. They will be able to help you get a genuine copy of this Congressional record of the 45 Communist Goals. Donna Calvin, the word warriorette, as she calls herself. Again, this is www.belief.net.com. And I will post this as part of the uh, posting on your folk radio for this show under the downloads section. So, folks, this is what we're faced with in the modern world the total cooperation between the globalist Jews and their communist mercenaries. Their communist mercenaries. Judaism is communism, according to Rabbi Wise in 1933, the head of. uh, American Jewry, the chief rabbi of the United States in the 1930s. He said, some call it communism, I call it Judaism. Okay, next item from the City Journal, an article about George Soros, because what I just read to you, the communist goals that have, uh, I think the communists have achieved... Every one of those goals, except possibly number 44, the internationalization of the Panama Canal, but that probably has been, I haven't researched that, probably has been accomplished also. So we're seeing an assault on Western politics and the white race, intensified now dramatically by this medical fake, crisis called COVID-19. Spoiler alert says for those who are unaware, you may be interested to know that various anti-white forces say they intend to show up by the thousands in the small town of Harrison, Arkansas, tomorrow that is Sunday in order to hold a short march in the town of Zinc Z-A-N-C where they intend to confront members of the Christian Identity Church during their services. This may be pastor tom rob's ministry the church oh yeah the church's pastor is thomas rob national director of the knights of the ku klux klan the most active klan community in the u.s zone zinc is the location of their main compound and training area so that must be a, a little small town called zinc or near that town called zinc and uh it gives a link here and of course this is uh, <laughs> this is obviously an attempt by the communists and the Jews to overthrow Christian identity in America. All right, so the headline here is March on Zinc, Arkansas, KKK Home of Grand Wizard, Heart of Racism. And it gives the link here. So I'll include this link in the posting of this show. As well, when I upload it right after we we go off the air today. So, but continuing back with this article here, and the. You know, we'll be hearing from him in in a second now. And the attempt by the communists to take over our nation. This is what we're dealing with, folks. Anyway, the connoisseur of chaos, who is, of course, George Soros. The dystopian vision of George Soros, billionaire founder of the left. Well, I know he's he's not the, oh, funder, sorry, funder, not founder. When the dust was cleared and the debris swept away, he stood revealed as Hillary Clinton's most generous billionaire donor. Now, our politicians are forbidden to take money from foreigners, but they do it all the time, especially the Democratic Party and yet the, the the left, all they ever talk about is the millionaires and billionaires who fund the Republican Party. They will never identify the millionaires and billionaires who fund the Democratic Party. Yet his name rarely surfaced during the presidential campaign, and that's generally the way he likes it. Dark Money, Jane Meyer's book about covert political funding, refers to the Koch brothers' more than 300 times in its excoriation of the radical right. But even so, the Koch brothers aren't funding the radical right, they're just funding the Republican Party. But mentions progressive icon Soros only six times. Three of these are footnotes. One of the planet's richest men, he's a Rothschild operative, operative, His past marred with crimes and misdemeanors, the 86-year-old billionaire skates on. More than a decade ago, he moved his financial headquarters to Curacao, the tax-free haven in the Caribbean designed for moneyed hypocrites who talk one game and play another. The place is not bulletproof. On occasion, Soros has been accused and even convicted of insider trading. A French court found him guilty of that crime and levied a fine of $2.3 In the parlance of the Billionaires Club, that was small change. Investigative journalists, a dwindling cadre, show little interest in him. They prefer to scrutinize safer, softer targets or right-wing billionaires to the extent that they exist, and there are precious few of those. Your billionaires and millionaires do not support patriotism. Absolutely do not. Those type of people are few and far between. What the left calls these extreme right uh, are, are people who support the Republican Party, which is hardly extreme right, which is hardly constitutional, which is hardly patriotic. If they took even a cursory look, though, they would see that Soros' global reach and influence far outstripped those of the Koch brothers or other liberal boogeymen, and that underlying it all is a vision both dystopian and opportunistic. That how many times have we told you here that the Jews always figure out a way to destroy a society, a white society, a Christian society, and make money doing it? okay by providing the arms and the rhetoric for both sides as they did in the civil war as by especially providing the arms and other schemes by which they can make money out of chaos by short selling as they did on united airlines and american airlines just before 911 they always know how to make money out of chaos quote The main obstacle to a stable and just world order is the United States, says Soros. Ergo, that constitutional republic must be weakened and its allies degraded. The Sorosian world order, one of open borders and global governance, antithetical to the ideals and experience of the West, could then assume command. Okay, uh, the author here is not saying anything that we in identity don't already know, but it's good, uh, and the author here is Stefan Canfer K-A-N-F-E-R, and this is composed in the winter of 2017, but it's good to hear other people saying what we have been saying for decades. George Soros has been an escape artist since his adolescence in Budapest, when Nazi occupiers gave him his first life lessons until then the Schwartz family lived in a large house located on an island in the Danube which you had to be really rich to be living on an island in the Danube <laughs> no doubt about that Georgie's mother Elizabeth was the daughter of affluent silk merchants his father Tivadar was a prominent lawyer and eccentric In good weather he commuted to his office by rowboat. But all was not as it appeared, even before the predations of the Third Reich. Anti-Semitism ran deep in Eastern Europe, and Hungarian Jews lived on a knife blade, no matter how large their bank accounts. The secularist Tivadar never attended synagogue, but he had a devout belief in Esperanto— the artificial language that he and other disciples believed would eventually become the world's tongue, to replace English, of course. The Tower of Babel would be raised, and nationalism would disappear, along with dialects, local attitudes, and national boundaries. So, despite the fact that he may never have attended a synagogue, he was a true internationalist like all Jews, like all communists. But that world lay in the future, for the present for the present, I should say, Jewish identity would have to be papered over, okay? Uh, Obscured. Uh, Yes, spoiler, all those stories about making deals with the devil are just stories about making deals with the Jews. You always wind up with the short end of the stick when dealing with Jews. Tell us another true story, okay? Okay. We in identity and white nationalists and real patriots know this very well from personal experience. You, if you sell your soul, uh, well, for example, uh, the Crickets, who, who was the uh, uh, lead singer uh, of the Crickets, uh, the, the great Texas songwriter, uh, even the, the Beatles recorded his songs, um, people around the world have recorded his songs i can't think of his name at the moment okay but uh something and the crickets <laughs> somebody in the chat room helped me out here <laughs> okay yeah bill gates no <laughs> bill gates and the crickets <laughs> so what what we're dealing with here is obviously the uh the t- total takeover of the music industry by the jews and all arts and performing arts by the jews not just, not just Hollywood, but the stage, the New York stage, as many stages as they can control, they will take over. Buddy Holly, Buddy Holly and the Crickets, he was absolutely murdered by the Jews, because he did not like the system of Payola, and having to deal with Jewish-owned record companies, which absolutely screwed the Buddy Holly and the crickets, and other artists as well. It wasn't just black artists that were screwed by Jewish record companies. It was white artists as well. In fact, Black Sabbath had such a bad deal from their Jewish-owned record company that they made zero money from their recordings. They only made money from uh, touring, live performances. So it wasn't just black artists. It was white artists who were screwed by Jewish record companies as well. And so, Buddy Holly went to New York City to try to negotiate with the Jew-owned record company, got nowhere, and he decided and declared that he was going to start his own record company. And he died in that plane crash shortly thereafter, and that plane was tampered with. He was murdered by the Jews. Okay? Accordingly, the family changed its name to Soros, it was Schwartz, to Sor in Esperanto. In 1944, the personification of the Holocaust, Adolf Eichmann, came to German occupied Hungary to administrate the final solution. So, there was no final solution, folks, that's a myth. But Tivadar had anticipated him. By then, he had purchased false identity documents for himself and the family. He bribed a government official to adopt Gergi, or George, and to testify to investigators that the boy was his Christian godson. Oh my goodness. Another fake Jew Christian. All right. Now came the fulcrum of Soros's life and career. The bureaucrat who housed teenage Gergi, George in English was assigned the task of confiscating Jewish land and property. Interesting. So, since he, now as a quote-unquote Christian, could confiscate the land of Jews, (laughs) he could blame Christianity. Right? That's how the Jews do it. Jews pretending to be Christians. (laughs) Jews swine change names as we change underwear. They sure do. All right, so so masquerading as a Christian, he confiscated Jewish land and property, probably kept most of it himself. With the boy in tow, he went from house to house making inventories for Nazi officers. It's unfair, sweepingly to condemn those individuals, Jewish and Gentile, who willingly or unwillingly sometimes participated in evil in order to survive. Well, the Jews have been known to do, uh, to sacrifice their own time and time again to survive without giving it a second thought the jewish underclass is just as expendable as the goyim still most of those who did escape the holocaust were tormented by pangs of remorse and survivor's guilt yeah let them suffer actually soros never suffered any pangs of guilt no In fact, uh, even the Warsaw Ghetto, The, the Nazis established a home rule of Jews. So it was the Jews who oppressed each other in the Warsaw Ghetto. Never will you find a Jew sacrificing himself, as Christians have done throughout history, as martyrs for the cause of Christianity. Never will you find a Jew sacrificing himself or itself or herself or what self to become a martyr. No, they will martyr other Jews in their stead as Jews have always done throughout history because they fear death horribly. I think they know that there is no afterlife There's certainly no good afterlife for them. But not Soros. In 1988, 60 Minutes profiled a man whose stock market manipulations were making news. CBS interviewer Steve Croft asked him about his wartime experiences. And here is the record. Croft. You watched lots of people get shipped off to death camps. Soros. Right. I was 14 years old. And I would say, that's when my character was made. Now, he doesn't uh, talk about his father, who was doing the same thing. Betraying Jews to the Nazis, it would seem. And that's when my character was made. Croft, in what way? Soros. That one should think ahead. No, that one should sacrifice the underclass of Jews, if necessary. One should understand and anticipate events when one is threatened. It was a tremendous threat. At 14 years old? What a perspicacious Jew. I mean, it was a a very personal experience of evil. Yeah, he was doing the evil himself. Croft, I mean, that, that sounds like an experience that would send lots of people to the psychiatric couch for many, many years. Was it difficult? He says no, not at all. <laughs> as I just said. Jews sacrifice their underclass all the time. And he repeats not at all. Maybe as a child you don't you don't see the connection. But yet he, he just stated that he was so perspicacious that he understood there was a threat of evil to the Jewish people and he was thinking ahead. And then in the next breath he says no. No problem at all. You don't see the connection. So, is he perspicacious or stupid? No. He's sly. He's a cunning Jew, is what he is. But it was. It created no problem at all. Not for him. Not for his father. Croft. No feeling of guilt? Ready for this answer? Soros. No. Croft, for example, that I'm Jewish and here I am watching these people go. I could just as easily be there. I should be there. None of that? Soros, well, no pangs of guilt for turning Jews over to the Nazis? No no pangs of guilt? No. None whatsoever. Soros, well, of course, I could be on the other side or I could be the one from whom the thing is being taken away. But there was no sense that I shouldn't be there because that was, well, actually, in a funny way, it's just like in markets. That if I weren't there, of course, I wasn't doing it, but somebody else would. Okay, so in other words, he's saying, some other Jew would do what I'm doing, so I might as well be the Jew that does it. Would be taking it away anyhow. And it was the, whether I was there, certainly the idea of martyrdom never crossed his mind. Whether I was there or not, I was only a spectator. No? Well, I guess he doesn't mention his father. So maybe as a 14-year-old, he was a specter watching his father dis- discombobulate the Jewish community in Hungary. The property was being taken away. So I had no role in taking away that property. So I had no sense of guilt. But his father was doing it. Didn't he have a sense of guilt for his father? Jews don't feel guilt. Jews don't know what guilt is. But they love blaming us and creating a sense of white guilt in us. Yes, spoiler, they have their reward. They do have their reward, and that's going to be total condemnation. Anyway, after the war, attending the London School of Economics, Soros, his name now Anglicized, was beguiled by the writings of Karl Popper, 1902 to 1994. The Viennese born professor devoted his life and work to what he called the Open Society. Yeah, open to all Jewish financiers. A place free of such tribal affinities as religion, nationalism, and traditional economic for- formulas. Internationalism. The Jews have always been internationalists, both in their monopolist uh, stance and in their communist stance. They are internationalists, always being dedicated to destroying white nations. Not so much non-white nations, but definitely white nations, Christian nations. But he also denounced as a monument of human smallness Plato's concept of the philosopher-king, What a contrast, Popper wrote, between it and the simplicity of humanness of Socrates, who warned the statesman against the danger of being dazzled by his own power, excellence, and wisdom. What a decline from this world of irony and reason, down to Plato's kingdom of the sage, whose magical powers raise him high above ordinary men. In other words, the, the true representative of the people, which was actually the symbol of the American Revolution. The best of the best would be the representative of the people. The best of the best. The most educated, the most compassionate, the most uh, uh, well-to-do in the sense of being a self-made person. Farmers, lawyers, doctors. These people were self-made And because they were taxpayers, they had the right to vote. That is Plato versus Socrates. And that is the American Revolution versus the Communist Revolution, which tries to put everybody in the lowest common denominator state. But nevertheless, the Commissar, the Communist dictator, is the upper class in all Communist countries. So there was never any any attempt or any inclination or desire for these communists to give up their role as supremacists in whatever country they find themselves. And they're the supremacists at the United Nations, which is the internationalist organization on the planet. Okay? So, he says although not quite high enough to forego the use of lies or to neglect the sorry trade of every shaman, the selling of spells, in exchange for power over his fellow man. That's what he's accusing Plato of. But that's a lie. But that's exactly what the Jews do, creating lies and selling spells to gain power and use of Every shaman, the trick of every shaman to gain power, is exactly what the Jews do. Was Soros beginning to confront the implication of these big ideas? No one knew, perhaps not even Soros himself, as he strove to find a place in post-war Britain. Alas for the new graduate, the financial world proved to be a closed society. No one seemed interested in his sheepskin or his multilingual abilities. Finally, he found work at the London-based Merchant Bank Singer and Friedlander because, he stated in a rare moment of self-deprecation, the managing director was a fellow Hungarian, a Hungarian Jew, we're not told that. In the 1930s, Hollywood, when former Magyars like Alexander Korda, Peter Lorre, Leslie Howard, and Bela Lugosi reigned supreme, So many of their countrymen applied for positions that one film studio put up a sign. It's not enough to be Hungarian. You must also have talent. Okay. How many of these actors were Jews? So it proved in 1950s London, where the new hire could not rest on his Budapest connections, he had to demonstrate a gift for creating revenue, and he did. Within a few years, he had mastered the craft of arbitrage, arbitraging, Making profits by trading different currencies. And that's basically how the Rothschilds got their start, trading currencies. As befit a man with his background, and that goes all the way back to ancient Egypt. That is the trick of the trade, of the money changers, folks. Trading currencies. Okay? So, you you buy a currency that's cheap... With whatever currency you have. Wait for that currency to go up in price. Or figure out a way to make it rise in price. And then sell it to the highest bidder when it starts rising. basically the same way the stock market works. You buy a stock low. Drive the price up in whatever way you can. Sell high to the next uh, To the next customer. Or uh, the the next uh, victim. Because that's what the stock market is. It's a Jewish victimization of the Goyim. As befit a man with his background, he also promoted European stocks, then winning favor with U.S. institutional investors. Through Soros, they gained opportunities in the new coal and steel community, soon to become the common market. So, basically, he was a slick operator A fellow Jew, I'm sure he couldn't have done any of this without the cooperation of fellow Jews. By 1959, Soros had relocated to New York City, the financial nexus of the West. That is correct. He continued because it had shifted from London to the Federal Reserve Bank. He continued to be a salaried employee, but a high-level one. He told colleagues that he planned to work for three more years, enough to accumulate a personal fortune of $500,000. He would then return to England to study philosophy. This must be a misprint. It must be philanthropy. (laughs) But I am joking here. That event never occurred. No, he never studied philosophy. What do you need philosophy for if you know how to manipulate markets? His ego kept getting in the way. Quote, I admit that I have always harbored an exaggerated view of my self-importance. That's typical of all Jews, he later admitted. Not that it's typical of all Jews, but that he had an exaggerated view of his own self-importance. To put it bluntly, I fancied myself of some kind of God. Which Jews are encouraged to do. Certainly the rabbis teach that in their Talmud. That God always consults a rabbi before making a decision? Typical Jewish arrogance. In the 1960s, the fancied God conceived his theory of reflexivity. Despite its Einsteinian overtones, the concept had a great deal of mumbo and not a little jumbo. Essentially, it stated that those who observe a phenomenon, like economics or politics, become a part of what they're observing, and thus risk losing their objectivity. Well, no, if you're not involved personally, it will never work. You have to become a part of the market. And if you're able to, manipulate the market. That's what he means by the theory of reflexivity. But he doesn't say it that way. Economic arenas, Wall Street, for example, are particularly vulnerable to forces that have little to do with empirical evidence or historical precedent. Yeah, because the investors are motivated by greed or thinking they can get away, thinking they know more than they actually know, (laughs) whether it's motivated by greed or not. And how many times have the stupid Goyam investors lost their shirts... In this Jew-dominated business, you don't realize the Jews are conniving canaviga- canavigating. <laughs> canavigating. against the Goyim. That's actually interesting. Connivigating. <laughs> Knowing this, the cunning witness can make a whacking good profit if he stays above the fray, keeps the Goyim stupid, the tipsters and the start, smart money. No, he can't... He can't stay above the tipsters, and he can't stay above the smart money, the insiders, if that's what they mean by smart money. Possibly this expression, smart money, uh, actually symbolizes the goyim who think they're smart. The recession of 1973 provided one of many examples. After years of wild, bullish ascents, the market seemed impervious to business cycles. Then it crashed. Investors waited for the predicted rebound and were still waiting five years later. This was the period of stagnation, or sorry stagflation under Jimmy Carter. The resignation of Richard Nixon, the oil shortages, the seizing of American hostages in Iran, and the inept response of Jimmy Carter all put paid to the good times. Never heard that expression put paid. And yet, a few speculators profited from these disasters. Soros was one of them. I'm sure all the rest of them were Jews also. Soros went on to enjoy many other triumphs, and none did more for his image than a killing made across the pond two decades later. He had gone out on his own by then. Aware that the British government was propping up the pound sterling, he and his associates acquired millions of pounds and then shorted the currency— betting that its worth would decrease. This is insider trading par excellence, just like what the Rothschilds did after the Battle of Waterloo by selling their securities on the stock exchange right after the battle, propounding the theory or the impression that Wellington had lost the battle, driving the British securities down to almost zero, encouraging other people to sell. And then just as the courier came around the corner to the exchange to announce that Wellington had won, that's when Rothschild, Nathan Rothschild in this case, issued orders to all his agents to buy up these securities, which had been driven to rock-bottom prices. In other words, he crashed the market, which is typical Jewish behavior. This is what we have to deal with, but very, very few people are aware that the Jews operate the markets in this way. They take these markets as being legitimate when they are not, okay? So, after some bad press, (laughs) you would expect you'd get Rothschild-style bad press, and some bloody political infighting, Prime Minister John Major Major caved, withdrawing the pound from the European exchange rate mechanism. The pound plummeted, and Soros pocketed more than $1 billion. Retirees on fixed incomes saw their pensions diminished and their savings wiped out. See, he, he had no more compassion as an old guy than as a young teenager, But in this case, it was mainly the Goyim who were ruined. But the human consequences had no effect on Soros. Indeed, he gained in stature. Yeah, he's a wheeler-dealer, someone to be admired. Greed is good. In high finance circles, he was the man who broke the Bank of England just as Nathan Rothschild broke it in 1815. The subprime mortgage crisis of the 2000s offered another opportunity. Houses had been overvalued and underfinanced. By the way, that's what happened to America in 2008. Overvalued property. Uh, giving mortgages to recently imported Mexicans and other Latinos without any restrictions, without them having to provide collateral. This is what drove the housing crisis to its collapse in 2008, which he uh, talks about here. Houses had been overvalued and underfinanced. The day of reckoning occurred in 2008. It led to the downfall of Lehman Brothers, the failure of Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac, and the near collapse of the entire global financial system. Again, Soros came smiling through. I'm having a very good crisis, he told the reporter. Soros had long since become wealthy beyond avarice. Two large alimonies, he married for a third time in 2013, and the education of his heirs, like Donald Trump, he has five children. Plush, lavish homes in Westchester and on Long Island scarcely made a dent in the family fortune, which continued to grow. But along the way, it occurred to Soros as it had to many other financial giants before him, that mere getting and spending were not enough for a man of his colossal self-measurement. He put his sons and other principals in charge of his companies and hedge funds. Thereafter, like the owner of a beach frontage whose landscape is obstructed by trees, he devoted himself to cutting down whatever blocked his world view. That means more innocent people. His presidential candidate lost in 2016, that was Hillary, but this setback likely won't slow Soros down. His political activism portfolio is well diversified. Back No, it's all left-wing, it's all communist, folks. He's still a communist after all these years. Again, the Jews are the world's financiers and the world's communists. Backing organizations dedicated to social agitation and change for change's sake, Soros has caused tsunamis of upheaval in the United States and around the world. Yes, he finances Black Lives Matter and Antifa. Again, ultra-radical left-wing organizations. A few cases in point. Last August, D.C. Leaks, a group of Detroit hackers, got into the Soros files and released them. Perhaps the most notorious of the disclosures concerned Soros' open society foundations, named in honor of Sir Karl Popper. Underneath its lofty rhetoric, the organization was clearly devoted to the eradication of national sovereignty." A key open society paper, hacked in its entirety, described the Syrian refugee crisis as an opportunity to shape conversations about rethinking migration's governa- governance. Migration's governance. Translation. Use Agateprop to flood Europe and the U.S. with evacuees, among them some probable terrorists make the old borders and institutions irrelevant, and in the process create a world liberated from the restraints of constitutionalism, American exceptionalism, free market capitalism, as I said, these Jews are not capitalists, they're monopolists, and other obsolete isms. In other words, make the world safe for Jewish internationalism. One of Soros' long-standing targets is the state of Israel, Providing funding for groups devoted to BDS boycott disinvestment sanctions against the Jewish state is only part of the equation. Now, of course, the Israelis have never objected to this. So, what's, what's the deal here? Okay. Well, I think the Israelis can use BDS funding as a, uh, another boogeyman. So, is, is Soros providing the boogeyman for them? According to DC Leaks, Soros gave more than $2 million to Adalah, and of course the Jews always fund both sides of every war, And independent human rights organization. As a matter of policy, Adalah demands that governments sever diplomatic relations with the only democracy in the Middle East. That is not the Israeli state. They are not a mo- the democracy. They are a democracy. They are Marxist, totally Marxist, Kaikistan. Soros also do- donated more than $1 million to the Palestinian media center, Elam, which regularly accuses Israel of ethnic cleansing. But the Israelis themselves founded Hamas, financed Hamas, and are still doing so to this day. They create their own enemies, and they use this these enemies... As sob stories, sob story material. See, those awful Arabs, they're lobbing rocks over the wall we built to separate them from us. Those awful people, they strap bombs to their chest and kill themselves in the presence of Jews. How awful. Nothing said at all about Israeli oppression of Palestinians. This is just part of the game, as I said. Soros is playing the game for Kyrgyzstan. Soros also donated more than one million to the Palestinian media center Ilam, which regularly accuses Israel of ethnic cleansing, which is a true accusation, but doesn't matter because nobody's paying attention. Though the Open Society Foundation's biases are obvious, they're anti-nationalistic, but in the case of Israel. It's part of the game, so Soros is playing this anti-nationalistic stance to the hilt, but he didn't do any of this without the cooperation of the Kikes in Kyrgyzstan. I guarantee you, it's just part of the game that they play. So, but nevertheless, the Jews of Kyrgyzstan oppose nationalism everywhere. The communists. Oppose nationalism everywhere except the nationalism of the Israeli state. That nationalism must be preserved. According to Netanyahu, it must be preserved. So Soros funding a little bit of money, what, two million? That's Trump, Trump change, <laughs> Trump change, to what's happening? Absolute chump change. But he obviously did it to maintain the illusion that he's an anti national. No, he is a Kike. And he promotes Kikistan nationalism. Adolf Richter says Fred C Trump, Donald Trump's father, donated land to Jews on Talmud, uh to a Jews on a Talmud Study Center. Very interesting. Yes, their time on Earth is very, very short. And uh, Swamp Fox says, yeah, "I doubt anyone could do business in New York without kissing Jew hiney sometime." <laughs> yeah, that's that is for sure. That is absolutely because the Jews control New York City, probably even more than they control control the Israeli state. Okay, because they're always fighting amongst themselves. Okay. Though the Open Society Foundation's biases are obvious, as almost always, well, they are always left-wing, radically anti-nationalist, except for this sham of financing uh, some Arab organizations in Kyrgyzstan. its members prefer to work under deep cover, as one of the leaked documents describes. Quote, For a variety of reasons, we wanted to construct a diversified portfolio of grants dealing with Israel and Palestine. As well as building a portfolio of Palestinian grants, and in all cases, to maintain a low profile and relative distance, particularly on the advocacy front. Okay, so we finance, we don't advocate. Print reporters were enlisted in the cause of propagating the Soros mindset. As recorded by WikiLeaks, Soros operatives determined to shape media coverage of events in Ukraine. We're instructed to select journalists from the five target countries, Germany, France, Spain, Italy, and Greece, and offer them long-stay reporting trips in Ukraine, Uh, probably also with instructions on how and what to report. Rather than specify what they should write about, they should make suggestions for articles. We retain a veto on stories we think are counterproductive or nationalistic in character. Suggesting that we liaise liaise directly with, I've hardly run into the verb form of liaison. Suggesting that we liaise directly with journalists to determine interest, okay? In other words, we will speak directly with these journalists to make sure they report the way we want it to be reported, And here's a picture. Uh, Soros bankrolls a wide array of protest groups across the country, including MoveOn.org, shown here demonstrating outside Senator Charles Schumer's office. Okay, no war with Iran. Okay, so, but Schumer, of course, is another Jew. Again, such demonstrations are prearranged with the agreement of Schumer, that that uh, you know, so that one Jew can pretend to be anti-war while the other Jew, well, they're actually all pro-war. They just pretend to be anti-war. In the United States, Soros Banks rolls a broad range of political and cultural causes. One is to destabilize the Roman Catholic Church in the United States. In 2015, he dedicated $650,000 for the purpose of shaping Pope Francis' U.S. visit, using left-leaning Catholic groups, such as the Jesuits, I inserted that, to promote gay marriage, abortion, and physician-assisted suicide. Leading the effort was Hillary Cl- Clinton's campaign manager, John Podesta, a self-professed Catholic, that's another lie, Bill Donahue, outspoken president of the Catholic League, vainly called for Podesta's dismissal. Quote, he is fomenting revolution in the Catholic Church, creating mutiny, and is totally unethical, Donahue said. <laughs> Tell us something we don't know. He's involved with Hillary Clinton, after all, and he's involved in the child pedophilia scandal, which we reported upon extensively, known as Pizzagate. Yeah, they, sh- they should call it Peace the gate. We're in favor of peace, don't you know? He is the front man for George Soros to create a host of phony anti-Catholic groups. These are not just bad comments, as some have suggested. These words are orchestrated, calculated, and designed to create fissures in the Catholic Church. Unquote, Bill Donahue said. Another Soros favorite is Black Lives Matter. The radical protest group dedicated to the pro- proposition that police are inherently racist. What about black cops? Are black cops racist? Blacks are certainly racist. Working the streets with incendiary rhetoric at odds with the truth about black-on-black black crime, never talking about that at all, BLM has helped foster depolicing as Heather MacDonald describes it, in high-crime urban areas. Well, that's going to solve the crime problem, isn't it? In 2015, after days of rioting in Baltimore in response to the death of Freddie Gray in police custody, an Open Society Foundation's memo excitedly commented that, Wow, what a great opportunity. Let's take advantage. Never let a crisis go to waste. Quote, Recent events offer a unique opportunity to accelerate the dismantling of structural inequality generated and maintained by local law enforcement and to engage residents who have historically been disenfranchised in Baltimore City in shaping and monitoring reform, unquote. In other words, never let a good crisis go to waste, as our former Jewish mayor, Rahm Emanuel, stated more succinctly than this open society double speak. Three straight acquittals of police officers involved in the matter left the prosecution's case in shreds, but made no difference to the Open Society Foundations. It has donated at least $650,000 to Black Lives Matter and pledged more assistance to anti-police factions across the country. These activities prompted the father of one, Dallas, of, one of the Dallas officer, police officers killed during Black Lives Matter protests to sue Soros, along with other individuals and groups, for inspiring a war on police. Very, very good. I haven't even heard about that lawsuit. Soros' open borders obsessions can be seen in the $2 million he gave to opponents of Maricopa County, Arizona Sheriff Joe Arpaio, an outspoken critic of illegal immigration. The sheriff's influence on the national conversation about immigration has been poisonous said a Soros spokesman. Arpaio fired back calling the billionaire a far-left globalist who was trying to buy a local race. The sheriff failed to ride in on Trump's November wagon, though, and Soros enjoyed one of his few election-night victories. Soros also spent millions backing liberal-minded district attorneys. They all opposed jail time for nonviolent drug offenders in Louisiana, Mississippi, Florida, Illinois, New Mexico, and Texas, Some of these candidates won most lost. So you can see that the Communists and George Soros have had a field day in America since the 1960s. It actually began in the 1950s. They had to get rid of Joe McCarthy, they had to get rid of the House uh, Un American Activities Committee. They had to get rid of uh, the FBI or turn the FBI into a, a pro-American, into an anti-American organization. They had to create the ACLU. The ADL already existed, so they had to. Support, and the, they had to exploit the NAACP, which has now morphed into Black Lives Matter. So, folks, you can see the vituperous anti-white, anti-American, anti-Christian, anti-human activities of Jews worldwide. George Soros is just one miserable example of Jewish internationalism. I hope you understand what's going on. And these people are the same people that are promoting COVID-19. Thanks for listening. Praise Yahweh. Pass the ammunition. See you all next time. Free people will never remain free if they are not willing, if need be, to fight for their vital interests.